Hello, and welcome to episode 16 of the Talent Crush Chat Show, the show where we talk about the art and culture that we adore and sometimes talk to the people who make it. My name is Stevie Jackson. I'm an actor, writer, and producer in Vancouver, BC. My name is Christopher Royce. I am a writer in the San Francisco Bay Area. Chris, what are you up to of late? Well, I have a lot of stuff to talk about. Let's hear it. I had one of those months. Sometimes when we record, I feel like I don't have a lot to chat about mm-hmm. in the intro section. And sometimes uh, right after we finish recording, I have a bunch of stuff that I want to talk about. <laughs> and this is one of those. So I have a checklist and you're going to have to tell me to shut up because I have a bunch of stuff. Let's go. Let's hear it. Uh, so what am I going to talk about first? Let's talk about the weirdest thing first, because that seems on brand. I'm intrigued. Uh, So, uh, people who know me probably know that I'm not a huge fan of pro sports, just a thing that I didn't grow up caring a lot about, but I do, uh, get very enthusiastic when you have like nations competing. So I really like the Olympics because it just has sort of that, you know, sort of high minded spirit of competition. You know, it's got thousands of years of history behind it. It's this like big noble endeavor. And in the spirit of that, I would like to tell you all about a YouTube series that I found called the Marble Olympics. Ooh, what is this? Well, we can't call it the Marble Olympics because as we may or may not all be aware of, the IOC is one of the most litigious bodies (laughs) in history. Yeah, they went Uh, after Improv Olympic and they had to become IO. mm -hmm. And uh, lots of comedians on Twitter got their hands or their knuckles wrapped, I should say, Mm -hmm. for doing things that were just perfectly obvious and not harmful, but that's a different conversation. The Marble Olympics is a series that is basically what it sounds like, which is an Olympics-style competition event where the participants are marbles. (laughs) (laughs) The the channel, I'm not 100% sure how to pronounce this because the name is Dutch. It's Mm -hmm. J-E-L-L-E. So it's either jelly or yelly. I'm not sure if it's, you know, like a soft J. I would guess yelly. Yeah. yeah. So Yelly's Marble Runs is the name of the channel. I'm going to put a link in the uh, show notes. So for the last few years, they've been doing essentially like a little Olympics events. And so they have teams like the Balls of Chaos or the Green Ducks, <laughs> the Hazers, the Jungle Jumpers, <laughs> the Minty Maniacs, uh, or my favorites who actually won this last uh, tournament, the Raspberry Racers, <laughs> and uh, they do all sorts of like races and jumping events and water events, and it is just like sort of ridiculous and precious and like a nice break from the news. <laughs> I can't believe you've never told me about this. Um, well, I, I was into it several years ago, and then it sort of fell off my radar because the world, and there's just so much entertainment content. Mm, and then yeah. uh, Matt Gorley actually mentioned it on one of his podcasts, and I was like, oh my gosh, I forgot about this thing. That's the greatest thing ever. <laughs> and sort of got obsessed with it again. Is it one person doing it and just, like, making up little teams of marbles and making videos or...? Well, at this point, it's like a team of people, but that is how it started. And the reason that it is sort of like eminently watchable is because they do it like in the style of the Olympic coverage. Mm -hmm. So they're editing in like shots of um, the the crowds in the stadium and like they have their music that I mean obviously they're not using John Williams Olympic theme no uh, because again copyright infringement but it just the 2019 and last year's the 2018 too 
are just like incredibly professionally done to the point where it just looks spectacular. It looks like a professional thing. And so they've wow. got the voiceover guy who's doing play by play and it, he might as well be, I mean, name a, you know, Al Michaels, like a play by play guy <laughs> or person that we like the, um, it just, it, it's fun in a way that's hard to describe because it is on the surface and through and through just so incredibly silly to like ascribe motive and like these marbles <laughs> they train all year and like oh he made a mistake or he, you know they surge ahead in this race like it's the play-by-play -play is really what makes it work event number 11 of the 2019 marble olympics takes us into the wilderness hello everybody i'm greg woods there you see our current standings raspberry racers leading the way two points clear of the hazers the green ducks fall back to third place Think of this, kind of this trail running, if you will, similar to the sand races, but a lot of obstacles waiting for these marbles. If they do get caught, points will be awarded based on how far down the course they get. The Rangers quick out of the gate, then they immediately get swallowed up. Team Galactic also out there. And is Team Galactic way out in front? Running back and forth, Mellow Yellow, they're going to challenge for the lead. They go right over one of the barriers and they're going to get stuck. The Green Ducks were also up in a second, as I said that. They get passed by... Oh, and there goes Team Galactic! Team Galactic also out of this race. That's two in a matter of a few seconds. Raspberry Racers keeping it in the track. Trying to hold on. And their lead appears to be pretty substantial, even though they're having a little difficulty with some of the obstacles. Nobody else on the screen. So we wait. Where's everybody else? There we get a look. That is the Green Ducks. Ducky and Jungle Jumpers also closing back in with Jump. Neck and neck they are. Jungle Jumpers shove them to the left, now move to the right. They get caught up on the wall and the Green Ducks retake the place. Several lengths clear now. Is that the one challenge that the Jungle Jumpers had to try to get second place? They are losing ground. In set up at the top of your screen, there's the finish line. And the Raspberry Racers, can they get it across? Yes, they can. 113.7. What is the gap farther back? There comes Ducky across. Jungle Jumpers should be next. Farther back behind him, we get a pass. Oh, nearly a pass down at the line and a good response by Shore from the Oceanics. Would have lost the place, but instead they are off to the final. That sounds absurd and I'm going to watch it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I guess I should apologize for not telling you about <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> But this this is the thing I got back into like a couple of days after we recorded last month's episode. Oh, okay. It's like, oh, this was a thing that I should have talked about before. Well, but now you have. Isn't it nice that we have a monthly podcast and that we can, if you don't do it one time, you can do it the next time. Absolutely. <laughs> what else is on your giant checklist of things you wanted to talk about? Um. Well, let me let me not get too deep into any one of these because I could just go on forever. Um. But I think since we released our last episode, um, always be my maybe. Oh yeah. Was posted. I think you have seen that too. Yes. Uh, I did. I watched it a couple of weeks ago. Um, with a friend, we were uh very hungry and a little bit tipsy, <laughs> so I don't remember a ton about it, and I don't um. I don't, I don't feel entirely qualified to speak to it, but I will say, in my memory, the best part of the whole thing was Keanu Reeves. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Hard to deny that he was great. Um, I just think that it's interesting how 
like the idea of a rom-com has really changed because mm-hmm. the 90s and some of the 80s was really like the heyday of that as yeah. a genre. Yeah. And then it really fell away because most big studios aren't making cheap movies anymore. They're making these big multi-hundred million dollar tentpoles. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of like a 20 to 40 million dollar movie is not a thing that happens anymore. Yeah, the but, in the middle uh, movies have kind yeah. of gotten lost. It's either yeah. super low budget or super high budget and just trying to make a regular old movie with a regular old budget somehow is it seems not to be happening much anymore yeah so no no spoilers um because i think probably not a lot of people have watched it still um but that's a movie that i really enjoyed um and jessica jones the most recent season of that dropped oh so good so good Uh, i've already watched all of it oh you finished it oh yeah and i'm i'm really pleased with um, where they left things and how they, I, I, I felt like they really, they really went for it with season three. Not that they didn't in seasons one and two, but mm-hmm. even a couple of episodes into season three, I thought, oh wow, they are really going to leave it all on the field. Like they, they knew it was their yeah. last year going in, and they really, they didn't waste anything. I thought they did an amazing job. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that the the fascinating thing about Jones in particular, but the Netflix Marvel shows in general, is that they are like sort of right down at the line where good meets evil as opposed to like the bigger Marvel movies where you're sort of looking at things from 30,000 feet up Mm. and the I thought season three of Jessica Jones especially they're talking so much about like not just what the characters are capable of but what do they what are their values what do they think about what they can do about you know their conduct what does it mean to be a hero what does it mean to be a villain all that kind of stuff and they're they're not just weaving those themes in but literally talking about it. Yeah, and I, I think the reason that I like Jessica Jones so much, and I admit I have not watched the other Marvel Netflix shows in mm-hmm. anything resembling their entirety, so I can really only speak <laughs> about Jessica Jones. The I think the thing that I like so much about it is how much they really downplay the superhero thing. Yeah. Um, it's not, like, sometimes you go a whole episode forgetting that she has super strength. Or yeah. like it, they're humans first, mm-hmm. and then the powers are secondary. And they do, like you said, spend a lot of time on sort of just because we can. Does that mean we should? And what does it mean to be a hero? Yeah. yeah. So and and this season in particular, where they went with uh, Trish, and I don't want to spoil it in case people haven't, because it hasn't been out very long. But where yeah. they went with Trish's character was uh, maybe more expected if if you've read all the comics. I don't know. I haven't read them. Um, yeah. But her, she had quite an arc and quite a journey this year. Um, and also, I think it's this. I think it's the second episode that focuses very heavily on her. Um, and yeah. Kristen Ritter, who uh, plays Jessica Jones, directed that episode. Yeah. And it may or may not, I think it's her first time doing TV as a director. She may have done shorts and things that I don't know about, but she did a really nice job as a first time director. My understanding, yeah, my understanding is that it's her directorial debut. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. Really well done. Yeah, I think that the the second episode and the penultimate episode were both more focused on the Trish character Mm -hmm. and had sort of the story told from her point of view Mm -hmm. and uh, some flashbacks and things about how she came to be the person she is again yeah without <laughs> ruining anything for people who haven't watched it yet um yeah definitely is and I, I would agree with you that that's a very accessible show for people who maybe are not super well versed in comic books or superheroes mm-hmm. or 
masked vigilantes or you know however you want to like summarize that category of storytelling yeah it for sure stands on its own you can watch it without watching any of the others i if i had one criticism it would be of of season three uh i would have liked to have seen a little more of jerry hogarth's story i thought interesting we saw a lot of her but i think and it's hard to do this without spoiling anything but a a a reason (laughs) A reason I could see to have done one more season, and I know it wasn't the show's choice, it was Netflix, you know, Netflix canceled them. Um, And that has to do with the whole Disney acquisition, and it's a thing. But um, they (laughs) set something up about Jerry in season two that starts to play out in season three and can only go so far. And I think it would have been interesting to see that continue to develop and see that character continue to develop based on what she's dealing with. And it's interesting because I saw, I read one review and I don't tend to read reviews until I've watched the season for something like this because I don't want it spoiled. But I I read one review that was sort of railing against how much of Jerry there was in this season and why. And I, I will say it was written by a man. And I don't think a woman would have written that review because she's a very interesting character. Um, so I, I actually would have liked a little more of her. And also, you have Carrie Ann Moss. Mm-hmm. Don't waste Carrie Ann Moss. <laughs> Even if there isn't a bigger reason to tell the story, you guys have Carrie Ann Moss. You should yeah. use her while you have her. Um, and I think they yeah, did. I think the show fair. did. Yeah. Secret Canadian, by the way, Carrie Ann Moss. <laughs> Secret Canadian. Well, I don't Did you just out her. No, no, I just I don't think anyone really knows. Uh, like she's not. I didn't know. <laughs> like I looked at her IMDb and went, "Oh yeah, I forgot. I forgot she's one of us." Yeah. <laughs> one of us. One of us. One of us. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, what uh, what did you want to chat about? Um, well, we've done Jessica Jones, which was on my list. So hurrah. Cool. Um, let me think Um, always nice to have like an accidental segue yeah (laughs) except I wasn't prepared for it I thought there was more on your list Um, other things I've been enjoying I'm enjoying and this this is going to be a quasi plug and it's not planned and it's not for me it's not a plug for me Um, (laughs) but I've been quite enjoying um, the the videos I get to see because of Kickstarter for mm. um, Kirsten Vangsness's Vampire, uh, which is a, a duo of shows that she's taking along with her theater company, Theater of Note, to uh, Edinburgh, Scotland, to the Edinburgh Fringe. Yeah. And the Kickstarter will be, it, this is not a good plug, be, <laughs> uh, which is why it is unplanned, uh, because the Kickstarter is only going for like two more days. So I think it will end the day before we drop this. (laughs) Um, But anyone who has given a dollar or more, but, you know, at least a dollar gets to see some of the (laughs) behind the scenes content, which includes some like rehearsal footage. And, and that's, it's just been kind of fun to, um, to watch their Kickstarter go, you know, when someone, you know, is doing a Kickstarter and they're doing well, it's just kind of entertaining to watch. Sure. Um, And so I would, I would love to plug the Kickstarter for her, but again, this episode will drop after it, ends uh but they're past their goal so that's good um that's very good yes oh i started watching fleabag 
Yeah, I've been sort of circling that because everybody online won't shut up about how great it is. Exactly, and so fine. I think at one point I (laughs) tweeted, like, fine, I will watch Fleabag. Uh, I'm two Mm. episodes in. It's brilliant. It's brilliantly done. Um, I just haven't had a ton more time to watch it, so it's it's one of those shows that I feel like I can't can't do other stuff while it's on. Like, I actually have to watch it. Unlike, you know, I can, I'm at the point now with something like The Good Place where it can be on in the background or reruns of Parks and Rec can be on in the background or, you know, or YouTube garbage, as I like to call almost anything on YouTube (laughs) can be on in the background. Um, (laughs) But uh, a show like that, you actually have to pay attention to it. But I'm, I'm loving it. Um, I did not realize because I knew so little about it that Olivia Coleman would be on it. So that was exciting. Um, Yeah. And I know there's a second season out as well, but I'm like two episodes into season one, so I'll be, I think, enjoying that for a little while. Yeah, all I know of it is what people say, but also I watched the trailer, I think, a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like she does a lot of direct-to-camera. She stuff. does, and I didn't realize that because I did not watch the yeah. trailer. So that, And usually I will say I normally don't like that. I feel it works oh, in this show. Um, that same device is the reason that I was, and there are, better reasons now but at the time was the reason that I couldn't stand to watch House of Cards oh interesting because to me it felt like that show wasn't comedic enough and didn't and I only saw the first few episodes because it bothered me so much and I think also because only the Underwood character did it like no one else ever did it so it but there was something about it where it took me out every time because I would be sort of into the show and following along, and then, oh, Kevin Spacey is talking at me. I don't like this. Um, in Fleabag, <laughs> I f- feel like it works, and it mm-hmm. starts off that way, because my memory of House of Cards is that, like, it was quite a ways into the first episode the first time he did it, and so I really wasn't expecting it. It was like, oh, this is a different show than I thought I was watching. Um, yeah, yeah. Whereas Phoebe Waller-Bridge, uh, who created Fleabag and plays Fleabag, that is the only name we have for the character her name is never said oh really yeah um, oh interesting she does it kind of right off the bat like and there's some voiceover that goes with it and so it makes for some reason in that show it makes sense and I don't mind the direct to camera it feels much more like her letting us in on what's going on and in a way like I don't find it off-putting in the way that I found it off-putting in House of Cards maybe That's I just don't like Kevin Spacey <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> given what's happened since that first episode. Yeah, we uh, didn't know aired. all of that then. Or I didn't. Apparently, it was fairly well known in the industry. But um, but yeah, I guess in general, I tend to like that hmm. technique, that tactic, whatever you want to call it, of just turning and talking to the audience yeah. directly. Oh. Um, I think that we probably don't want to get into it right now, but a TV show that we're going to talk about probably at some point, The Office. Mm-hmm. Uh, did that really well. Um, and then a movie that pops to mind uh, was uh, Mike Birbiglia's Sleepwalk With Me, where he does sort of a talking to the audience throughout the course of the movie. And, uh, oh, okay. See, I, I can't speak to that because I haven't seen it. But mm-hmm. The Office, and I, I liked it in The Office, but the thing about The Office is the whole conceit of that show is that a documentary is being made. And, uh, I know, and Parks I and Rec know. is the same way. Yeah. Um, and so when a show is doing that, and even... Um, uh, Modern Family does that, or at least they used yeah. to. And again, it, it starts out with, it's the documentary conceit. So yeah. that to me is very different than what was going on in House of Cards, where I wasn't aware that the characters were aware of the audience until it happened. 
Yeah, and no, so that's a really good point. I wasn't thinking of that. It's different. So yeah, because even in the documentary style thing, they're talking to the audience, but they're not really. They're talking to to the quote unquote director or camera crew, the documentary crew. Exactly. And we're looking in on that, and so and that yeah. feels oddly more natural to me than I. Yeah. I think it, it's there's a real tonal thing that has to be right for it to work for a character to step out of their world or in the case of Fleabag, not entirely step out of their world and continue to have (laughs) conversations with the other characters and yet also be sort of mugging to camera a bit. And for some reason on that show, it worked beautifully for me. I really like it. And on House of Cards, I found it very off-putting and I stopped watching the show over it. So Fair enough. Personal taste (laughs) being what it is, you know? Uh... Was there anything else you wanted to get into on your list? Uh, I don't think so. I think we've covered the the main stuff. I'll be honest. In the back of my mind, I feel like there's something and I don't know what it was. So we're just going to move on. <laughs> yeah. I, I always have a bajillion things. And, uh, oh, bajillion, though. Oh, well, Sorry, hey, yeah, segue. Uh, just found nope, out on, on Twitter last night or today that season four mm-hmm. of Bajillion Dollar Properties mm-hmm. will, in fact, be seen by the world. I saw that too. It was very, very exciting. Very exciting. It's frustrating to know that there's an entire fourth season of a very funny show just sitting somewhere that no one's allowed to look at. So I'm in a magic vault. Yes. So I'm very excited about that. I don't know what Pluto TV is. I guess I'll find out. Um, yeah, I'd never heard of it either. I think it's, I think it's some sort of streaming service online. I don't. We'll look it up, but uh, if any Bajillion fans are listening to us and they don't know this yet, guys, you're going to get to see the rest of Bajillion. It's very exciting. (laughs) Uh, Now I'm done. Shall we talk about our guest? (laughs) Speaking of very exciting. (laughs) We have an amazing guest this month. Uh, For the the third month in a row, this might be a record for us. So Although crazy. Two, uh, two guests, but three amazing episodes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our, our guest was kind enough to join us in his home. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> very, very nice of him. Uh, we, we should say his name. We had uh, the fantastic Hal Lublin talk to us. Or, or we should say he, he had us because he did, in fact, <laughs> he did the hosting. Semantics. Um, yeah, so I, Hal was kind enough to sit down with us for an hour or so and talk about his uh, career journey, uh, where he is in it now, how it came to be. We talked about improv, we talked about voiceover, we talked about podcasting, um, we talked about puppets, but that may have been off mic. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of fun. We were very happy to make a new podcast pal out of Hal. I don't know if I would call Hal a new pal, but sure. <laughs> a podcast pal. <laughs> a new podcast? Okay, yeah. Uh, he has several podcasts of his own. Um, very true. He has two on the Max Fun Network. Uh, we got this with Mark and Hal that he does with his, your friend and mine, uh, Mark Agliardi. <laughs> and uh, he has Tights and Fights, which is a wrestling podcast, uh, mm-hmm. also on Max Fun. Uh, that he does with Open Mike Eagle and Danielle Radford, and I think some other people rotate in and out of there. Um, so, yes, we if, if we have any podcasting questions, I feel like we know who to ask. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Because um, uh, we would definitely want to have him back for a second part. We had so much fun. Oh, yeah, anytime, anytime, Hal. 
come back anytime. Um, yeah, so I guess we should, should we get into it? Let's get into it. All right. Welcome to your own house. Thank you. I'm so happy to finally be here. <laughs> I hope finally. the journey wasn't too hard on you. You know, it was really difficult. I didn't know. I, this wasn't my home until just now when you invited me. Nobody's ever invited me to my own house. Oh. I said to take it like a Viking. Well, now you're here legally. Thank goodness. Yeah, the papers are clear. <laughs> Big citizenship party at the Loveland Casa. Fantastic. Yes, we're actually a notary podcast. We're here to do all your paperwork. Oh, thank you. I, thank I you. can make you an honorary Canadian if you like. I would love that. I feel like I have that power. Wait, Good. why was I never offered this opportunity? Well, Chris. You know what? Let's sort that out on our own time. <laughs> That'll be a very special I have a bone to pick with you episode. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Fight. Sorry, I don't mean to encourage <laughs> negativity. It's, it's all friendly fire, I promise. Okay, good. <laughs> oh, so we're going. What are like we doing? Talk, so I know, I did. We are recording live in person, and it is pretty much just as awkward sometimes as doing it over Skype as yes, we normally do. <laughs> <laughs> this is our second podcast of the day, and I feel like the other one opened more smoothly. That's true. It's totally my fault. <laughs> <laughs> Stevie, would you like to ask the first question of our guest? Sure. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. We're usually better at this. I don't You're doing I'm... great. Um, so I, I wanted actually, we asked, we interviewed Janet earlier today. And yes. This was my first question for her, and it's also my first question for you, mm -hmm. um, which is how did you get started as, I mean, we all do school plays and things. Right, right. But when and how did you kind of decide to go pro? Oh boy. I <laughs> I think I think I knew I think I knew at a young age but wasn't confident. So when I went to college, I was a business major cuz I was like, well, I better have something to fall back on, which is like the worst way to pursue a dream. Like who is young and sensible? <laughs> who who does that? And then, I, I did that. Right. But you, it was an English degree, but still. But you know you can't the, it still pulls you yeah. towards performing. Mm -hmm. and when I got out of school, I, I was a professional apprentice at a theater in Philadelphia called the Arden Theater. Mm -hmm. Wow. And you did everything there except perform. You maybe got to be an understudy in a show once. Okay. I never made it that far. So <laughs> I just knew everything. It was a really cool experience. I got to do a lot of, of really crazy things. But ultimately, I knew I knew I wanted to perform. Mm -hmm. And I went and quit. I was like, I know this, this program is suited for people who like theater but don't know what they want to do. Right. I know. Yeah. So wow. after that, it was, I just have to figure out where am I going? I, I was going to go to Chicago to study at Second City. Mm -hmm. okay. I was going to go to Washington, D.C. with friends from college. And then uh, one of my best friends, Damien, who I was just at his son's first birthday party Aww. earlier today. <laughs> he, I was talking to him. He said, come out to Los Angeles and we'll be movie stars. And I said, okay. Sold. And three months later, I was here. Only it was that simple, the movie yeah. star thing. So I thought it was going to be easy. I had all these weird goals. Like, definitely going to win an Oscar by the time I'm 30. Of that course. for sure is happening. Of course. Uh, but then the journey goes from keeping your dreams and having dreams, because dreams are great, but also understanding what it that it's going to be a series of small steps mm -hmm. and building a network of friends and people who are creative that you collaborate with 
and like having small victories along the way, yeah. all of which are are stepping stones to the next to the next sort of I hate to say level, but yeah, you know, you, you just gain more and more experience and then you're ready for whatever success comes your way. Hmm. Cool. Is that answer? Did I answer? Yeah, you it? Did. You answered <laughs> so it. I guess I guess I knew I guess I knew probably uh, for sure when I was like 21, 22. Oh, okay. That was when I figured out for sure. Yeah. This I th- I'm miserable doing anything but performing. Mm-hmm. And so that's when you sort of made the definitive of yeah. doing this. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to make it happen. Um, and then so like me, you are a performer with a day job. Yes. So how do you balance that? I'm always interested in how how other people manage balancing that. It's it's hard. Mm-hmm. So I've been at my job for 9 years. When I started there, I told them, I said, I have other commitments mm-hmm. outside of work. I will always prioritize work, and I will always make sure work is done, but mm-hmm. there are going to be times where I have to travel. Yep. And I've been fortunate enough to keep that promise on my side mm-hmm. and have been granted some flexibility because of that. Um, but also, when I started that job, I was like, well, this is it. I'll do Thrilling Adventure Hour once a month because it's on Saturday. Mm-hmm. That doesn't take any time, but... This is the end of me performing. I just decided oh. that. Oh, okay. But so that, let's maybe back up to what happened before that. Like, how did you so, come to that? Yeah. So that, at that point, I was just like, I, I was working in, as an independent contractor. Okay. And it was just, it's miserable because you have to go get your own work yeah. all the yeah. time. And I'm like, I'd rather somebody else pay me to work for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I need stability. Yeah. I'm, you know. I'm an adult now. <laughs> That's part of this. I'm a married adult yeah. human. I already yeah. have one unstable job. That's right. I already have my unstable job. But then when I came in, I was like, well, I have to be here all the time. Mm. This is gonna, This will take everything away. But that that was like really a mental state. Of, it was a, just, just a state of mind. So mm. within a couple months, I booked a commercial, like voiceover for a commercial. Mm-hmm. And I was able to go. And be on set the day that, that they did it. And then I was able to go later on and record it. And it occurred to me like, oh, I, I can do this. Mm-hmm. And I was already at that point. I didn't I didn't know if I would continue. My mother passed away two years prior. Right. And that mm-hmm. like sucked everything out of me. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know if I wanted to stay here. Mm-hmm. But early in 2010, I was like, all right, I, I know I want to do this. And I, I want to do it more than anything. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to work to make it happen as much as I can every single day. So you just find your way around it. If you have to shift your schedule, you shift your schedule, but it's, it's not as difficult as it, as it seems. Yeah. Cause most actors I talk to don't choose office jobs. So I was interested right. when somebody does, cause I, I did, I'm just, I'm a terrible waitress. <laughs> don't do it. And what I'm good at is administration type stuff. So that's what I do for my day job. But it took me a long time to really find one that, where I was able to get the flexibility because I don't have any control over when my auditions happen. Right. And I'm, I'm not yeah. sure if it's the same here, but I tend to get about 24 hours notice. Sure. If I'm lucky. Yep. <laughs> so you need something that's flexible enough to move around, but also stable enough to go. And I find most, most people seem to do other things. They teach or they work at night and they, so it's, it's, interesting for me to find somebody else who chose what i chose which sure. is a desk job in an office and managing so you can make it you can work my yeah. degree is in marketing so it just made sense yeah let's go find a job marketing that's turned into oddly writing and producing a live game show five times a week which so is very cool it came back to that's cool to yeah. creative stuff uh but yeah it's it, it 
I don't know what I was going to say. Completely lost That's my okay. thought, but it's fine. Uh, yeah, you got plenty you, of time to come you, back. You can do yeah. it all. If I think of it later, I'll just interrupt all of us Perfect. to say it. I love it. Yes. But but it is possible to do both. Yeah. I don't think it's I don't think it's that big of a deal. Yeah. I, I know I've I made it work for about 15 years. Yeah. But I recently, I had the same day job for, we talked about this off mic, and now that yep. it's resolved, I feel like I can talk about it on mic. Go for it. I actually haven't said this, but big I, reveal. Had, <laughs> I had the same day job for 10 years. Right. And then I was downsized about eight months ago. And so I've recently been going back out on job interviews because right. I had some severance, so I took some time. Um, and then as that started to sort of run out, I thought, oh, I better go back to work and yeah. it was an interesting thing being back in the position of being because I'd, I'd had a situation where I was trusted and I was allowed to come and go and I had all kinds of flexibility so then explaining to new employers this is a thing that I do I promise I will always be at work when you need me to be if there's something really important and really big tell me ahead of time and I will book out with my agent so that I don't accidentally suddenly have an audition yep um, <laughs> but it's also my deal breaker like if if you can't let me do this then I can't take this job Good for you. Yeah. And Good it, for it you. worked. I'm starting a new place next week, so that's fan- That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, we'll see it, how it goes. It's always good. Like, <laughs> I think in L.A. there's this there's this thing of people taking jobs and then just leaving. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I have an audition. <laughs> I'm just going to go. I'll come back because it's L.A. and that's what you do. But yeah. You can't – if you establish trust with whoever you're working for, yeah. then, then, then you're fine. I do remember what I was going to say. Oh, good. With, right. with voiceover, the great thing is a lot of times you can submit remotely right so sure. i'll just like duck into my car i'll duck into a break room and i'll mm-hmm. record something or i'll get there early yeah so that that i have a little bit more flexibility i would always rather go to my agent but they're in the valley mm-hmm. and i work in el segundo mm-hmm. which is about an hour each way Oof. yeah that's half your day so that can be tough <laughs> yeah. but i do yeah. it sometimes sometimes yeah. you just go and mm-hmm. and come back just make sure the work is done that's yeah. that's <laughs> that's the key secret right. of life <laughs> it's really it's such an easy secret yeah. <laughs> the simple things, the simple things, folks. I'm like Chris ask a question. Uh, sure. Um, talking about origins and beginnings and stuff, how did you first get into improv? Hmm. Uh, in high school, in the mid-90s, <laughs> was when they started airing the the British, the original Whose Line Is It Anyway? Oh, yeah. came to, I think, Comedy Central or MTV. Yeah, Comedy Central. And I started I watching, and I fell in love with it, and... Friends of mine and I would would try to do the games, and we'd try to find oh, places wow. to perform at school and form like an improv club. That's amazing. Yeah. And then in college, I auditioned for the improv troupe, mm-hmm. and I was in it for, I think, two years, and then directed it the last year. Wow. Mm-hmm. It was just any chance I had to improvise, I took it. Anything, anything possible. So when I that was the reason why I wanted to go to somebody who had been part of Second City. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, ultimately, I, I know he wasn't main stage now, sure. but at that time I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, He came in, he was uh, at the Syracuse stage with a, with some production, and he did like a workshop with us. And it was, I thought it was the greatest thing <laughs> in the world. I started reading like Truth and Comedy and yep. The Compass and just all of this uh, stuff. And that, that was all I wanted to do when I came out here. I felt you're, like, this is my key. This is something I love and I have so much passion for so I would do it anywhere I could anytime and it's just I mean it's the greatest (laughs) it's given me a lot of gifts in life (laughs) like from my wife who's in the other room (laughs) to some of my best friends to thrilling adventure hour like everything almost everything that's happened in my career has come out of second city Mm. and and relationships I've made there well, it's interesting that you bring up Whose Line because that's my introduction to improv is watching that show as well, the American version mostly. Yep. It's a couple years younger than you. Um, <laughs> but How I was, dare you? 
I'm 36. You don't have to say how you're old, but I'm 78 years old. <laughs> you look amazing. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> oh my I'm goodness. older than I thought because I'm one year younger than Hell and one year older than Mark. Mm-hmm. Okay. So apparently I'm 77. Yeah, that's you right. You look great too. You look yeah, fantastic. Doing it. Um, <laughs> but I was reminded of whose line watching your most recent uh, Work Juice improv show at mm-hmm. SF Sketchfest um, because you and Gags do a bit that I've only previously seen Ryan Styles and Colin Mockery do, which is the one guy does the sound effects and the other guy does the act out. <laughs> I know there's probably a name for it, but that's my right, right. ham-handed description. Sure. And again, don't know all the terms, haven't studied improv, just an amateur and a, a fan. Um but your what I would personally call like space work and object yeah. work yeah, yeah. seems to be like one of the things that you do really well. Thank you. On a stage. Thank you very much. And so I've just is that a thing that you particularly are interested in or focused on or is that a sub discipline with an improv that you wanted to be an expert at? <laughs> I, I always try to be specific because mm-hmm. I think it's helpful to everybody else who's on stage mm-hmm. yeah. or anybody I'm doing a scene with. That's something I was sort of like drilled into me. And that's an easy way for me to do it. I don't know how it's taken all the time (laughs) because you may see it and have a very clear idea as an audience member of what you think it is. And Uh I'm thinking something different. And we can both be right until somebody labels it. I think that actually happened at that show because my memory is that you were doing i think you were like laying out a tablecloth and then yeah. gags interpreted as like folding shirts i would no i was folding shirts because so i don't have it the somebody wrong? well something yeah. no no well there's no wrong <laughs> but i think it was related to something it was something laundry related so i okay. was taking oh. stuff out that's what it was i think it was taking stuff out of the dryer and folding it but then it turned into recontextualized as like being at a store and on a folding table yes mm. that's what it was now yeah. i think and then and then mark made weird noises and turned you into like a schizophrenic or somebody who's hearing voices yeah exactly (laughs) but that's so much i mean that's the joy of playing with mark is he knows Mm -hmm. i mean i know all of them but Mm -hmm. i think he enjoys doing that to me (laughs) in particular that that seemed to be the ryan and colin dynamic on the show was like how can i screw with you how can i break you (laughs) you you and mark do seem to like um, not pranking each other exactly, but I mean, I will never forget the do an improv with Mark Gagliardi website that you built. Yes. One yeah. Year. I still have my do an improv button. Because <laughs> he hated the term. Now he's softened to it because mm-hmm. everybody uses it. Yeah. But that really, he was really pedantic. He was like, no, it's improvising. Right. Not but doing an improv. <laughs> do an improv with Mark Gags Gagliardi. Oh, I There was an email that. address and everything. I, I never used that. it. But I think was... the website might still, I don't it's know. It's still up. Gagliardi's own is, I know. Up. Yes, that's also still That up. one's still if going. You, if you Google Mark. We didn't do anything. <laughs> Ken and I were talking that we didn't do anything this year. But that means we have to move it to next. We have an idea mm-hmm. <laughs> there are ideas we have to and then when we did the gagliardi zone which for those of you who who don't know uh on my podcast we got this with mark <laughs> that we do together thing. he he said that when he ran out of toilet paper he used coffee filters so we created a line of coffee filters <laughs> with his I name on it that were for Chris, toilets this? Oh. Oh. this is very this is a very early on yeah it was the over the, the roll or under the roll episode yeah yeah. Okay. Yeah, and it. <laughs> so, so I we a lot about both of you on that podcast. Yeah, we got a lot of pictures of uh, 
of different people with the with a bag that had the the logo on it and Paget was like oh, I, I wanted she I showed I showed her the commercial mm-hmm. that Ken made that John Hodgman did the voiceover for oh and she's God. like I want to do one of these when am I going to do one I was so, just thinking there is a picture of her in full Sadie yeah. holding up Gagliardi's own yeah. nice. backstage oh she Furnace. loved it yeah she she loved it so we'll have to get her in on one in the future yes, please. there has to be another one can can you ask her to do it in the Sadie voice? <laughs> I can. I, sure. Sure I can. I think that would be hilarious. Uh, but yeah, one time Mark and I did a panel together. We were talking about improvising. Mm. And we were each asked what what we admire about the other. And my the, the, the imagery that came out of it is I always <laughs> feel like I'm throwing bricks at him. And he he's building a house out of them. Like uh-huh. I have no idea. Oh, I'm just going to throw as many bricks as I can mm-hmm. at him because I trust that he's going to build something great out of it. Yeah. And then he said that I make good bricks. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, we've, I mean, we've known each other for my goodness, 17 years, How 17. Wow. Uh, I was, when I was early in second city conservatory, uh, Eric Edelstein guy named Eric Edelstein and I were, were in class together. Mm-hmm. And Eric knew knew Mark somehow. Mark had just moved to L. So I met him within like – we Eric and I and a guy named uh, Rob Adler, maybe a, maybe a, th- a third or fourth person, did an improv show at this theater for nobody. Like <laughs> I think Mark was w- maybe one of the two people there. And then oh, I boy. met him afterwards. <laughs> that was the first time I met him. And then because we were both part of Second City, we sort of woven it out of one another's mm-hmm. life. Uh, at each other's lives but by 2005 we were in a sketch group together mm-hmm. which is also where I met Jen yeah. Annie was in that sketch group Acker wrote for that sketch group oh. wow so a lot of uh, a lot of thrilling adventure hour people were in <laughs> one place uh-huh. uh, and that's where we really started to sort of work together and that's how you got involved in thrilling obviously S- sort of oh okay because you're an original work juice player I, I am I'm sort of original I think I joined show four oh three okay. or four something like that I don't think I knew that yeah so when the show started, that sketch group was, was definitely together. And Acker and I, every Monday, we would play racquetball. Then we'd write sketches together mm-hmm. and then bring them to rehearsal that night. Okay. And I knew, I knew that he had started the show. And he was like, man, we have to get you in the show at some point. At the same time, he's, he's writing another uh, sketch show called God Bless America, I think was the name <laughs> of it. And Mark had to drop out. Oh, okay. So I got brought in to replace him. Mm-hmm. And for the for the first time, I think, in any work I'd done in Second City or anywhere else, I was like, I'm going to do a ton of characters. Mm. Oh, really? I'm just going to do – I'm just going to turn everything into a character. So it was me and Annie, Annie's future husband, Fred, mm-hmm. and uh, and a really, really funny actor named uh, Shannon, Shannon Noel. Uh, she, she was great. It was just the, there was just the four of us. So Blacker came to see that. Oh, okay. And I think maybe Dave Gruber Allen was there also. Mm-hmm. And then shortly after doing that show, Ben's like, hey, we need you to, can you come do Thrilling Adventure Hour? And that was it. Then I oh. came in, did the narration. And mm-hmm. and, and you yeah. were the, the sort of fictional Acker and Blacker that existed in the M-Bar days. I yes. never got to see an M-Bar show, oh, but yeah. I've seen some footage. Because I wasn't aware of you guys until around the time you started podcasting. Right. It was something that I... I'd heard Paget talk about in interviews mm-hmm. enough that I looked it up and went, oh, this is right up my, this is very cool. But yeah. I'm not even sure there was a podcast at that point. No. Um, and then once you started podcasting, I started listening to it and I, within 
Well, it took me a while to actually come and see a show. Right. Because I live in Canada. Bit of a commute. Well, it wasn't even that. It was, I had this mental block about Los Angeles. Sure. Because I felt like this was a place that I, for some reason, was only allowed to come to if I was ever working here. Right. And I still never worked here. (laughs) So I was, uh, at some point in, I think, the spring of 2012, like just before you guys did the Kickstarter. Right. Um, I remember I was standing in my kitchen and I was listening to, I think it was a Beyond Belief. Right. And you can tell with a show that's recorded live that there's stuff going on that you can't see. And I remember (laughs) thinking like, I just, I really wish I could see this live. I'm really sad that I can't see this live. (laughs) And about three seconds later, it's like, hey, dum-dum, who made that rule? (laughs) Get on a plane. You're in the same time zone. It's like not even a three-hour flight. Um, and I was at the time I like I was in a show and I had a tri- I had a bunch of stuff going on so it took me like six months to actually be able to get on a plane and come right because the first show that I came to was the one that was during the Kickstarter and you were celebrating that you'd hit the first goal right and that the graphic novel was going to happen so that yes. was my first show which was an amazing show to be at that's awesome yeah yeah that was so we started podcasting in 2011 it's, I think that's right yeah those Embar shows were so great. I've heard so much about them, and I'm sad I never got to see one. That last yeah. anniversary show felt more like an M-Bar show only because, and I love all the guests that we've we've had, but it was really cool for it to be mm-hmm. just us. I and loved like, that. We all got to be used a little bit more and yeah. do stuff we, we wouldn't normally do because there are a lot of people to service in a, mm-hmm. in a regular show. Yeah. But what was great about M-Bar, first of all, very, to- very, very, very small stage. Mm-hmm. So you had... Uh, Andy and his band in the in the like tucked sort of into the corner, yeah. And then Joel Spence, who did sound effects, mm-hmm. all the way stage right. So you had, I think, three mics, three or oh, four wow. mics, maybe. It's pretty on the crowded stage. up there. And you and if you didn't, if you weren't on stage for a while, you'd be in the back where the bar is. Mm-hmm. So directly, direct shot from the stage is you could walk right out the door uh, of of M Bar if you wanted to. Okay. The bar mm-hmm. would be on your left right okay. before you dip. So. But all the all, everybody would be at the bar and they would be enjoying the show. So like you were always a part of it. Mm-hmm. I very rarely got off stage mm, yeah. because I just sat on the back wall mm-hmm. if I wasn't introducing something or doing an acker and blacker. So mm-hmm. that was always like this odd cramp. <laughs> and there are videos of it somewhere. They there are, might be there on are YouTube. There are some videos on YouTube. I have seen it. Yeah. But, yeah. But snippets like there aren't any full shows. Although some recordings are coming out now on the yeah. Patreon that I didn't know existed. Well, they I know that they wanted to podcast it early mm-hmm. i remember blacker recording it and it's just they never quite turned out okay. it's hard to get a good recording yeah uh largo was a little bit better equipped for it mm. but those were really sure. special sh- like looking back on it now it feels like uh like like the beatles playing at the at the <laughs> cave like yeah. they're like just a small <laughs> not that we're the beatles but like Something that became popular in a very, but we're in a small space that was mm-hmm. always packed, and we had yeah. the same people coming there. Yeah, and then the jump to Largo was okay the mm-hmm. first couple times, and then Nathan Fillion did it, and then we uh, were sold out the rest of the time. Wow! Okay, so he brought that's not bad. That was cool too. Mm-hmm. Like from a from a marketing standpoint, yes. <laughs> to not only bring new people in but to retain them speaks mm-hmm. a lot to. Like, oh, I really – I'm a huge fan of Nathan Fillion, so I'll, I'll enjoy whatever he does. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. oh, I really like the show he's in. I'm going to see that again. I want to support that show. Yeah. Well, because I think once you see it, if it's up your alley. Because right. I have I've tried to convert all of my friends to Adventure Kateers. <laughs> and some of them are and some of them aren't. Because I think it is it is a very specific form of humor. It and is. if it speaks to you, it does. Yeah. And if it doesn't, then 
I don't I don't know how to relate to you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but I found like the first time I heard it, I think it took me about ten seconds to fall in love with it. Yep. Um, my first, I think it was the very first Beyond Belief that was released, which is funny because there's a bunch of sound effects mistakes in it because it was very early in the Largo run, clearly. <laughs> yes. Like they were still sort of, you know, no, there's obviously supposed to be a knock on the door because yeah. Paul says, there did you hear a knock on the door just now? <laughs> and then the knock happens and yep. there's stuff going on. But it's still, mistakes and all, it took me about five seconds to fall in love with it. <laughs> and then Sparks Nevada took me a little longer only because I didn't know it took me all to understand it. Like I, mm-hmm. I remember listening to it and being like, I know mm. this is good. And <laughs> I, the problem is not Sparks Nevada. The problem is me not quite understanding what's going on. And then once I got through like two to three episodes, all of a sudden I sort of turned a corner and went, I know who everybody is. It's right. the funniest thing in the world. I get it now. <laughs> yeah. Because it's serialized. It takes a little yeah. bit longer to, to get into the world. Yeah. Whereas yeah. with beyond belief, you have like monster of the week, but it does reward does reward you remembering yeah. things that have happened before. There are definite payoffs down yeah. the line. And it's nice that they had both of those. And I know they would arc. Like, it was cool that that, that Sparks of Nevada worked in arcs like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they were, Acker and Blacker were writing as many different kinds. Like, they were learning, not learning, but they were growing as, and evolving as writers. Yeah. And getting to do a lot of stuff that people who work on one show might not get the opportunity to do yeah. I think they're the most talented writers and it, it shocks me that they're not constantly working all the time I on don't everything know why they're not the most it's crazy writers in the world. Yeah. yeah I feel like they should be handed up some kind of franchise a Star Wars movie or a Marvel movie or yeah. one of these one of these days I mean they mm-hmm. wrote some Star Wars books recently yeah. so yeah it should be on the horizon but yeah I guess then for the performance then you're also getting to do multiple characters and more mm-hmm. than you would just if you're on a regular show yeah you learn a lot about what you can do and, and if you can't do something, figure out a different way to do it. <laughs> and just getting to learn, you know, for me, getting to watch everybody work, getting to watch mm-hmm. Paul and Paget and mm-hmm. Craig and, and Jackson and, and Annie and Mar- like everybody just so great. And, and I learned from all of them, like mm-hmm. just constantly cribbing <laughs> from anything and everything I can to try to become better because they're so great and I just want to keep up my end of the bargain. Mm-hmm. I, I think you're holding your own. Well, thank you. Thank <laughs> Absolutely. You. you you and Annie did the original sort of Acker and Blacker characters. Yes. How did that come about and why did it go away? They, uh, it existed when I got there. Mm-hmm. I think Annie had played Acker the month prior and okay. then shifted to Blacker so I could play Acker. Okay. Um, <laughs> and Annie and I have known each other since 2001. We went through Second City together oh, from okay. from beginning till end. Mm-hmm. So we've always had like good chemistry, and I think the world of her. And I think that bit went over really well. Mm-hmm. But part of the reason it existed was to explain to the audience that that it was a, the conceit that this is a radio show. Oh, cool. and yeah. it, it was felt so on the nose at a certain point mm. that when it, when we shit we did it a couple times at Largo, and then I remember mm-hmm. Acker telling me. Um, we're not going to do that anymore. Oh, it we're, didn't go away to Largo. It, yeah, we, it was like okay. two months into Largo, and then it was like we did. They, I think they looked at it and said, "We don't need this anymore. Hmm. We don't need to lean on that on the joke that this is radio, mm-hmm. but you're actually seeing people on stage mm. perform." Yeah. yeah, and I think the show was way better for it. I do miss. Yeah. I, I definitely miss doing that, and mm-hmm. it was something for it was something that featured Annie and I. We got to do a yeah. song every show, yep. but <laughs> ultimately. Ultimately, it was the right choice. I think it was just a structure. It was more of a structure issue. And is this something we actually need versus can we put more ads in? 
So okay. with, if we if we'd had yeah. Acker and Blacker, we might not have had Dan Bucatino right. or the King of Coffee, mm-hmm. which are essential parts of the show. Yes. I would rather have those than Acker and Blacker at this point. But Patriot brand cigarettes, Patriot brand cigarette, like all yeah. that great yeah. stuff. I, that's way, way better as connective tissue in the show. Mm-hmm. And I think that as someone who's really just a podcast listener, I didn't come to the show until like 2014. Mm-hmm. So by the time I basically knew everybody on the show, I'm like this murderer's row of guest stars. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think like the ads really do sell the conceit. Mm-hmm. But listening to it on the podcast, you have the intro and everything sort of gets you up in the old style of old time radio. Like you yeah. have the whole yeah. run up there. So. And of course it's a radio show when you're listening to it on a podcast. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm, I have a question for you, Christopher. Hit me. When you came to see it the first time and you saw a show, you saw it at Largo. I actually never saw it at Largo. Where the did you see it? The first time I saw the show was at LA Podfest in 2015. Oh, I wasn't there for that. Yeah. You've it was never the, seen a full throw show. Because I was curious. And, and, and you saw that, something that was done with, with no work juice players originally except for like Paul and Hodgman. Yeah, and Todd Cooper. I'm trying to remember, oh, the they were all on it? yeah, they were yeah. all on that and boat. And Ag and McConville, right, and mm. a couple of others. And then the next time I saw it was a year and a half later. Sketchfest was the last proper thrilling show that you did at Sketchfest. But you have seen a proper thrilling show if that one counts. W- it does count, <laughs> but it not at Largo because it's presented in the yes. style like yeah. you get mm-hmm. pretty much the full. We have the band there and everything. Yeah, I'm curious what it was like for you to go from hearing everything, having it parsed out mm-hmm. the way it is, to seeing it all assembled. Like San Francisco, that's 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 a show. Yeah. In my mind, that's a oh, thrilling yeah. adventure hour yeah. show. Absolutely. That all the different pieces are there, they're in the mm-hmm. correct order. Mm-hmm. How did, did that alter your podcast listening or did it did it make it you It was it was crazy. I did not know what half of it cuz there are serial elements so the Sparks right. Nevada segment and like sort of the not knowing what I didn't know part of it of like, mm-hmm. uh, what are the things I'm supposed to get? What are the things that are fresh and new? Yeah. What are the things that the people around me are reacting to? So it was, it was a real, like, <laughs> it was like, I'm just so happy to be here. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was sort of my experience. It's like, I know all those people and they're all great. This is amazing. <laughs> I think at that point, the storylines are caught up too, probably. Cause I remember yeah. at the first show that I saw in person in October 2012, the Sparks Nevada segment was uh, Croach Returns. Mm-hmm. So Mark oh, was just back where he'd gone. Yeah. But on the podcast, we were like six months behind. He hadn't died yet. Oh, right. No. Very confusing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that, that that's an issue with going to see it live <laughs> when the podcast is behind. Because Beyond Belief was pretty much caught up and it didn't matter anyway. Right. Whether or not it was. Yeah. Um, and, and the same with the middle segments being sort of episodic and less yeah. serialized and then yeah yeah but for sparks it was like i could tell this was a big deal but i didn't didn't have context for it for like another six months did it ruin the beginning of the arc for you um i mean obviously I you're mean, enjoying may- it different there's maybe. a surprise right yeah like you know. I didn't have, it was still by the time i actually heard that episode it mm-hmm. was i think i kind of half forgotten so, oh, and, and there's still like that moment of realizing that croach is dead like yeah. that that's not this is he's not the nanotech is not going to save him this time yeah um chris is laughing at my open nerdery <laughs> i just i just the whole world of it is very <clears throat> enjoyable to me yeah. so like nanotechnology is not going to save him like this is great Nanot- <laughs> it's called nanotech i don't, I don't yeah. even need to know what's going on yeah. um so that was still a shock and that was like i may have teared up a bit when i heard that 
Well, your tears bring me joy. Oh. I'm a monster. They're I'm delicious. Cry for I'm me, fans. No, I, like, Cry I, into this mug. That's I great that it affects you I could not like be a bigger fan of Thrilling Adventure Hour, I think. Oh. Well, I mean, I don't write for the wiki or anything, so maybe I could. <laughs> but, um, you have one last step. It is, it is one of my favorite things in the world. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you. But yeah, I was a casual podcast listener and started a re-listen from the ground up um, six, eight months ago, and I'm at around episode fifty. Okay. So I'm trying to get through a couple a week just a, for my continuing to, enjoyment, yeah. so that I can start with like the new Patreon content because I'm a right. bizarre completist nerd, so I like want to get it all packed into my it head. Doesn't really follow on too much. Yet. Like you're not. I know it's just no the way spoilers. my brain works. Okay. <laughs> Do you, are you listening in exact number order? Like mm-hmm. I have to go one. Th- okay. Yep. Because I know some people do like, I'm going to do the complete Sparks, and then I'm going to well, do the Well, that's what they were the doing through the Patreon. And I was right. like, that would have been it good, but been I already started, yet. and my broken brain can't rewire itself to do that. No. <laughs> <laughs> Nor should it. Um, did you have a favorite character you played? I mean, I'm guessing it might be that guy over there. It might be, yeah, the Philip Fathom puppet yeah. that's, that's <laughs> over in the corner. Uh, I do love Philip Fathom. It's mm-hmm. probably Gummy. I'm very fond of Gummy. Because Gummy was written for me and Philip Fathom wasn't. Oh, interesting. Okay. Philip Fathom was written for Christopher Maloney. Interesting. For a, oh, my gosh. oh, he did do it once, didn't a he? A Sketchfest show yeah. at San Francisco Sketchfest. It was written for him. Mm-hmm. He was filming something, so he, he wasn't able to be there during a rehearsal during the day. Mm-hmm. So I filled in, and Acker was like, underwater Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know which Batman. I was like, is it is it Adam West? That's is so it, important. Is it Michael Keaton? Is it, yeah, is, is it, it Kevin <laughs> Conroy? Uh-huh. And I looked at it. I was like, oh, it's Christian Bale. Yeah. I don't know if I do a Christian Bale Batman, but I'll try. And then that's what came out. Mm-hmm. And Hodgman was in the audience. He was very supportive. Uh, everybody, I think Seems everybody like realized like, like, oh, this is a good match for him. Yeah. So, but you can't, you don't tell Christopher Maloney like, hey, thanks for agreeing to do our show. Yeah. Right. We're not going to do that thing uh, we gave you. Actually, turns out we have someone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what he did was completely different and an original thing and, and great. And then they redid it later on with me. Mm-hmm. And that became a character of mine that I loved. But mm-hmm. Gummy came out of me and Dave Gruber Allen fooling around oh. at rehearsals at, at Blacker's house, which we did a lot. Uh-huh. Um, and just me throwing that voice out there. Mm-hmm. And then Acker going, we have something for that voice. So we want you to do that for this thing mm-hmm. that we came up with. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So that's, and also he is, has a lot of depth as a character. It's fun that, that, that I get to exp- like have a relationship with Craig yeah. and get to be like I'm generally his sidekick. Yeah, mm-hmm. but all you're over also the show. his hobo mentor. But that That's one, right. yeah, that one I'm also the teacher, so that yeah. the dynamic kind of shifts. <laughs> I love how the hobo way is almost always the regular person way. That's right, <laughs> but with pizzazz. Yes, a special stinky hobo pizzazz <laughs> that we bring to everything. So I'm so excited to have a home. I'm an actual hobo. This That's is right. Finally, oh. a home of my own. Wait, does this make you a rube? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I might be now. No, now I have to put the pies out on the sill instead of stealing and eating oh. them. And what kind of pie would that be? Apple pie. Thanks. Apple pie! <laughs> Why? How could I not do it? You know apple pie? Apple pie from what Gummy says? I'm Gummy, apple pie. I do enjoy that rendition. Yeah. That'll be the new version. Hey, everybody, it's me, Gummy. How you doing? Should be like Gumford or something. It's me, Gumford. <laughs> Um, you've done a lot of voiceover <clears throat> in other areas too. Mm-hmm. How often does the character follow the voice, like just a weird riff, as opposed to somebody writes a thing and then you have to sort of match a voice to what's already on the page? Generally, I have to f- to match a voice to what's already on the page. Venture mm-hmm. Brothers, that was definitely yeah. the case. Mm-hmm. That that character existed, and 
I remember they had me read for it, which mm-hmm. isn't normally like I, we wouldn't have you audition. You know, we'll find stuff for you no matter what. But mm-hmm. I need to know that you can do this. Um, I think it's a role that they'd already. This is this has been put in the book. So I'm not talking to <laughs> school. I think it was a role they had cast and they decided that wasn't the right fit. Okay. So they needed somebody to come in. But at that point, you're burning through budget. So whoever right. comes in better be able to do it. Yeah. So that was one where I had to look at it. I knew what they wanted for Wide Whale, mm-hmm. and I just did a reading of what I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. So generally, you're ma- you're looking at something and going, oh, what 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 would this person sound like? Yeah. or animal or whatever mm-hmm. uh and then you hope it matches up and if not maybe you get some uh uh some guidance in the right direction <laughs> rather rather than that way is the door oh. <laughs> please leave do you get to do you just get the page do you ever get to see like a sketch of the character sometimes or? okay sometimes I, you do. I feel like that could help it it can it's really weird with the like here's here's a one line description of this character yeah. which oh, is no. what some auditions are mm-hmm. and then here is just uh, a final draft yeah. document that we've given you oh. uh, with the lines on it, but you know that's sometimes that can be good too because you 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 might get a sense that they don't they're not locked into exactly what they want this person to be mm-hmm. even with even with a drawing, uh, but it, I I always would rather see them that that inspires a lot more and you start thinking like oh what does their mouth look like how do they carry themselves yeah you you have a lot of that information you don't have to sort of imagine it. I've heard a lot of voice actors interview like Mark, ha- Mark Hamill or mm-hmm. Maurice or anybody. Are you an act out in the booth guy or are you a I sit quietly and just do the voice in the booth guy? Uh, probably somewhere in between. I like to sort of move around and physically be mm-hmm. into it. I'm not as – I don't think I'm <laughs> as wild, but it, but it's good to to uh, to have some physicality to it. I, do, I have at other shows – I know like – uh, when I did Mighty Magiswords, like they had stools, I was like, oh, I'm gonna sit in a stool. <laughs> this is great. But when it's time, I want to stand and plant myself and yeah, and be sort of into it. Yeah, because I've seen uh, footage of Mark doing the Joker, uh-huh. and he's doing it with his whole body. Yeah, he's like really into it. Yeah, I'm I not mean, gonna attempt the voice, but, but that makes it like a full <laughs> character, uh-huh. right? Yeah, it's it's uh, he has to. Yeah, I think he so. Has no choice. <laughs> And I think those are. I don't know if there's a right or wrong way to do it, but mm-hmm. I, for him, I like. How could you? There's no way that can come out of you, and you're just standing there, limp. <laughs> yeah. It would be something to see. Yeah, it really would yeah. be. I mean, I've done very little voiceover, but it, you have to move around some. Yeah. Um, or at least I found like it's it feels unnatural to just stand still. Yeah. Like you, you want to do something. It's still full body acting. Yeah. Yeah. Even yeah. if you're sitting, you still have to, like you have to get into it in some way mm-hmm. physically it has to be there yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense to me even just as a fidgety person yep. <laughs> <laughs> and sitting still for more than a few minutes doesn't come naturally to me so the idea of like trying to do a big performance with you know your wheelchair it's yeah yeah that's really rough it feels like you've been taken prisoner a little bit <laughs> yeah yeah um when you do those recordings is it usually everybody in the same room or do they record separately depends some of them venture brothers you're you're by yourself mm-hmm. Magiswords were group records a lot. I, I like group records more. I like having everybody in the room. And yeah. even if you're not playing off of one another, you're sort of playing to other people. Like you have some feedback, yeah. which isn't necessary. But Venture Brothers is also great because you have Jackson Public directing you. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times you're you're performing opposite one of his characters. <laughs> so he's reading the other half. You're reading mm-hmm. it with him. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing better than 
then uh, doing a doing a take and then seeing him laugh behind the glass, but he hasn't pressed the button down yet, <laughs> so it's really quiet because he throws his head back. And that's that a, that's so a, satisfying. Yeah, that's a very satisfying feeling. Well, I would think also being somebody who did a lot of stage, you know, you're improvised, you can really only do it in front of people. Yeah. You know, super effectively. Yeah. Yeah, you're used to an audience reaction, so it's nice to know. It's harder to gauge when you're on set and there's a crew and none of them are looking at you because they're all doing their jobs. Yeah, nobody's Sometimes allowed you to. You don't really yep. know if anything has landed. <laughs> it's like, yeah. this was supposed to be funny. I don't know if it worked. They're not Nobody supposed laughed. to. They're all like, I just have to light this and then I have to go and yeah. it's my lunch break. Putting tape <laughs> on the floor, leave me alone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but also, I love working in ensembles. That was what appealed to me the most about, about Second City as a school. I mean, I like Groundlings, IO West when it existed. Uh, those are all great programs, but mm -hmm. the idea of learning to work with anybody and mm -hmm. find a group of people where you all play off each other constantly, I, I love that. That's mm -hmm. what I love about improv and what I love about uh, doing those group records is you're all there together and you'll discover stuff. I, I love that. Absolutely. How does it work when you do Welcome to Night Vale? Do you guys record that together or are you alone to do your part? No, we. I think everybody records it. I think even Cecil records by himself. But okay. they'll send me an email like, hey, we want you to record this. They'll give me just my part. Mm -hmm. And wow. then and then I'll record it sitting right here at this table. <laughs> I think I was sitting right here when I did the September monologues. <laughs> just like with a, with a mic. I read through it two or three times. Yeah. I try to, I maybe look at it once, but I try to cold read it the first time mm -hmm. just to sort of find my way through it. Yeah. And then fine tune, then fine tune for like a second or third run through. And then I send them a couple of choices okay. so they they can use whatever they want. But it, it is, great. yeah, it is odd. But also like Steve Carlsberg stuff, it's either a monologue or he's written a letter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there, there have been very few times where there's a back and forth mm -hmm. and you can hear you're supposed to be talking to somebody else. Mm. And even then it's, it's, you know, not so complex that how I do it is going to change based on how Cecil has done it. Right. But yeah, those are different. But then the live shows, mm -hmm. completely different energy than the <laughs> podcast. Yep. And those are so much fun to do together. I love being on the road. I'm very, very, very aware of how lucky I am to be a part of both Thrilling Adventure Hour and Welcome to Night Vale. Cause they are both groups of, high caliber human beings mm -hmm. that also do great work so i i love getting to go and play with them they're they're so great that's awesome um well we don't want to take up too very much of your time no. um coming down to it here so we're going to ask if you have a talent crush of your own that you want to tell us about sure and if yeah. you, if you want to go a little longer we can okay do you want to go like till six fifteen? does that work yeah why don't we launch in your talent crush well, and we'll I, take I some extra time question. oh you, you want, okay yeah more i can edit yeah. around the weirdness yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> um We've talked a lot about your your various projects, but I was wondering um, how when you don't have a creative project, mm -hmm. how is that for you? Do you struggle? How do you handle that? Is is it kind of not a problem now with all the podcasts? Or? Yeah, but also it I don't take them for granted, mm -hmm. but I also I always feel like I should be doing more than I am, mm. which is odd when you have a ton <laughs> of podcasts. Yeah, but I always think, well, there should be more. I should be doing more. So I'm always hungry to figure out new things or find new challenges mm -hmm. uh, or take new things on okay. uh, with varying levels of success. <laughs> so, th but that, I, I thought I would feel that way when I knew Thrilling Adventure Hour was coming to an end. Yeah. Because we knew, I don't know, six, eight months before. Oh, wow. I, like, before it was announced, for sure, we yeah. knew. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, and I started thinking, well, what am I going to do? Because right. this has been, you know, when you have a regular thing that it becomes, well, if nothing else happens, then yeah. right. at, at least, least I have this. One Saturday night of the month, I'm on stage at Largo. Yeah, I have yeah. this. The show does well. People like it. Mm-hmm. So I'll, at least I have that. When that goes away, yeah. then I'm like, oh, well, what? What am I going to do? Yeah. And that I, was when I grabbed Mark and said, we're going to do a podcast together. Oh. And it's going to be nothing like Thrilling Adventure Hour. Yep. Um, and that other stuff has just sort of grown out of that. Mm. And we that wouldn't even be where it is without Travis McElroy, who's another person who I met at, like, at random. Mm-hmm. Just these, a lot of angels in my life <laughs> who, have, who have given me a lot of gifts. But yeah, that was just trying to, I don't want to have nothing. This is now, what am I going to make mm. that... That is not the thrilling adventure hour. Right. And that's where we got this came from. I'm going to make really important decisions that affect the whole world for all time. So important. It's helping me live my life right. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Don't you feel like it's like a lot of pressure is off? Yeah. Like there's, I know, no ketchup on hot dogs. That's right. Um, Toilet paper's over the world. Correct. (laughs) Correct. Even if you have a cat. If you have a cat, train the cat. Yes. I don't have a cat, so it's not a problem. But my toilet paper is now on correctly. I, I know, you know, cake or pie. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know that the best M&Ms are Smarties from Canada. That's, you know what? 100% true. I thought that Jackson, I was like, you're full of it. And oh, then I, I went. brought you some Smarties. Well, I was, yeah, I was in Toronto with, uh, with Night Vale in October. Uh-huh. Just in October. Yeah. And, and I went and got Smarties, and they're great. What? It's such a... It, you're not used to having like quality chocolate in that a candy. Was, that was his pitch. That's the problem. Yeah. I was at that show. And I'm like, come on, he there's would yeah. not shut up about I it. I didn't think that was possible. I thought he, I thought he was full of it, but yeah. he was right. I don't know why, but our milk chocolate is better. I it's don't. I don't probably because it it's is. less processed. Would Maybe be my guess. Fewer chemicals and hormones. It's, it's yeah. all hormone free. So yeah. that that's could the, be it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. But um, we also we make Reese peanut butter cups come in threes, not twos. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. See. Yeah. So Boy, why do I live in America? I should be in Canada where the candy is done right. Let me know all your candy right. needs, and I will mail it to you. Just, you know what? Just send me everything, and I'll sort through it. Fantastic. Figure out. I can do without on my own time. <laughs> Anything I don't want, I'll just send to gags. It's fine. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> He's the candy garbage disposal in yeah. your life. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. He'll eat it. It'll be fine. Hey, Marky likes it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Your candy sacks come. And gags <laughs> open up the front door candy sack is it coming by drone yeah <laughs> yeah a very shaky drone it's a really heavy bag it's only like a foot off the ground it's a big insurance nightmare i should, I should get a better drone well, best laid plans i guess yeah. i don't know um but we should move on to yes. the do you have a talent crush for i us? do have a talent crush Let's tell us it. about your talent crush Helen. it's my wife oh <gasps> When I, uh, back in 2005, mm-hmm. a friend of mine named Mike Ross, who was directing shows at Second City, he directed these character monologue shows. And another friend of mine, Kate, was in the show. So I went to support her. And Jennifer, they were supposed to be five-minute monologues. I think Jennifer's was like 10 minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. Like, the, the audience was, like, just locked on to her mm-hmm. and I fell in love with her that moment oh, wow. I think she is one of the funniest people on the planet she has a gift that that almost every performer doesn't have mm-hmm. 
which is the ability to go on stage and have everybody rooting for her immediately. Like, oh, interesting. That's nice. Not that, not that you know, there are some people who are born to play villains, right? Like, they sure. go up on stage and you like, there's there's some, like a tension there. You want to hate them. Yes. yes. Yeah. So then they're great to cast as villain. Other people are able to win over an audience, mm-hmm. but it's very tough to have them instantly. Mm. And she does, mm. and her her mind works in a different way than anybody else's and I don't understand it <laughs> we've we been together for 14 years wow. we've been married for uh, for over 11 mm-hmm. and I still don't like <laughs> it's just uh, like the connections that she makes and as an improviser so great she would do similar to th- those were written monologues that she did but she mm-hmm. you always had to the, the second city monologues it was all about you're talking to someone so you have to give space for them to talk to you okay mm-hmm. and she she was always really good at at you knew what the other person was saying to her without her having to beat you over the head with it interesting mm. so so this that sketch show really hard yeah, yeah that is it's, like that's remarkable i would not be able to <laughs> that is not a skill that i have but we would do um we were, this sketch group that we were in, the one that, that Acker and everybody was in, mm-hmm. she would get her own segment called Kelly's Corner <laughs> where she would just come out, get a word from the audience, uh-huh. and improvise a, a monologue on the spot. Oh, wow. wow. And you knew almost instantly what room she was in. You knew who she was talking to. It was funny, engaging. Like Everybody everybody else in the show would be in the wings watching her because <laughs> mm-hmm. you just can't believe, uh, like, how is she doing this? There's yeah. no way... She couldn't have written it because she didn't know what the suggestion was going to be beforehand. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, she does a character now called Carter Parton Rogers. Yes. I've seen the, a bunch of the videos. Yeah. I have yet to see a live show. She's, I mean, it's amazing. Her live shows are so good. And she also is hyper observant. The, the number of times she's done a show and said, oh, I just spit. Like, just <laughs> whatever's happening. She even calls herself out. And it's it's charming and hilarious and brilliant. So she is... She is my real life crush and mm-hmm. and a, a talent crush. It's nice to be able to combine them that way. Yeah, yeah. it's really nice. Yeah, I think we spent like our first seven episodes explaining that we're talking about platonic crushes. Guys. Yeah. It's not the that end. you want to date the yeah. people we're talking. Yeah. Now I made the mistake of crossing the line here. Oh well. I've given an actual crush at a time, but yeah, I think I just I'm a huge admirer of of how talented she is and how funny she is and. I, I wish the entire world knew right now and was beating down our door to get to her. But I think it will happen with time. I hope so. Yeah. 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 Do you guys perform together very much? We, we have. We did a show. Here's a fun Easter egg. If you go on jibjab.com and find their sendables, mm-hmm. somewhere hidden in that catalog are, are, uh, is content that Jennifer and I uh, produced for them. We did a two-person show in 2006 called Welcome to Townville mm-hmm. where the two of us played 19 <laughs> characters in in like 45 minutes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so we amazing. were all the inhabitants of we hadn't seen little I guess little Britain existed at that point but we hadn't seen it. We mm-hmm. were all uh we were we were all the citizens of this small town. Uh-huh. And we went to Jib Jab and sold it to them. It was going to be a web series initially because they were getting at that point they'd gone from the political like uh like song parodies mm-hmm. to wanting to do live content. They did this thing called the Great American Sketch Experiment with John okay. Landis. Mm. And their next step was we want to develop original content and we want to do it with you. 
So into as we were developing with them, all of a sudden it changed to we're going to start doing greetings. Oh. So we want you to do video greetings. Okay. So uh, it launched while Jennifer and I were on our honeymoon <laughs> in like the fall of 2007. Yeah. But some of them are still on there. Oh, wow. Uh, they're very bizarre. Uh, but that that was us working <laughs> together. And then we we improvise together from time to time. We haven't done it in a long time, uh, which we should change because it's always fun. And we have really good – we have good onstage chemistry. That's great. Um, yeah. You should team up with Craig and Carla. I know. I double know. Tuxedo. Du- double orange tuxedo. <laughs> I was talking to Jennifer last week. I was like, I should email Carla and see if they have any stage space. And then maybe sometime yeah. we could do – Oh, we could do a show together. Well, she's Over running a theater now. West side. So. Exactly. It's yeah. not far from here. Yeah. It's the hometown theater. <laughs> I would love that. And I don't have to drive far. Thank you, Los Sold. Angeles, for this gift. It will still take you half an hour. Oh, yeah. Time. Of course. Oh, yeah. It'll be bumper to bumper as soon yeah. as I get out of the garage. Like, you're going four blocks. It will take you 20 minutes. <laughs> it's faster if I walk. Yeah. It's faster if I, I should just walk. Yeah. It might be. I, I asked my question. All right. Mm-hmm then I think we're about ready to go. Is there anything that you want to plug? What should the people know about? You can follow me at Hal Loveland on Twitter and Instagram. Listen to We Got This with Mark and Hal. Listen to Tights and Fights if you're a wrestling fan. Uh, Listen to Good Morning Night Vale, which is the recap show of Welcome to Night Vale, (laughs) which I'm also on, that I co-host. And Thrilling Adventure Hour is back, and we're doing studio recordings. It's really, really, really fun. And And there's I have a new character. Ooh. Named oh, Cal Plamby. That's right. Who's Exciting. the who is the Salieri to uh to Dan Bucatino's Mozart. Yeah. It's it's Fun. great actually. I love how they've because the the original ads on Thrilling Adventure were fake. Yes. For fake products. Yes. But now they're Real ads couched in fake ads, yeah. which is a lot of fun. <laughs> it's you know, I'll tell you I watched Craig record a Bucatino recently. Mm-hmm. Like it for for this round and it's a it is a uh, a cold read. Oh wow! Wow! Oh, I can't wait. He to hasn't that. seen it. And when I do the Cal Plamby's, I think I read through it once. I like they record me reading it for the first time, and then sometimes we'll fix stuff, but generally we'll go through a second time. Yeah. But it's, I, I don't know how he do, he does it so well that <laughs> it's my challenge. Like, oh, if, if I can just. I hope I can make it through a clean one because you don't even know, you know, actors writing is so is so intricate yep. that you can miss a lot of stuff your first time through. Mm. So thank goodness he's in the room that I, I read it and I go, oh, wait, do you mean this? And then <laughs> and then we have to do it again. But it's yeah, those are those are cold reads mostly that you're hearing. Wow. Yeah, they're they're really good. They're well, thank you. And I, I agree on Craig. His are fantastic. <laughs> They're both very good. Well, I am worried about Dan Bucatino, though. That guy's life is a mess. <laughs> yeah, he's in, he's in a lot of trouble. He's not in a good place. <laughs> Things just keep getting worse for him. His his worst curse is continuing to live. Oh, oh no. <laughs> it seems like. Oh. Someday he'll get it back on the rails, maybe. Yeah, we know. hope. We only hope. Yeah. He's, he's not a bad guy. No, just had bad breaks. He smiles out sure. at me from my coffee mug in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again for joining us and hosting us. And yes, my pleasure. Your time with us has been amazing. Thanks for coming to my home. Thank you for that you welcomed me to. Thank you. <laughs>
We hope you enjoy having a home now. I do. It's really nice. It's amazing oh. how your stuff was already here. Yeah. I was doing I, that I thought it was a, <laughs> thought it was a storage unit, but turns out it's a fully furnished full apartment. apartment. <laughs> it's great. All, all the things I have already bought. Yeah. My goodness. I, th- I didn't know where it went. It's good they got that shipping address right. Yeah. Thank goodness. <laughs> uh, thanks again. Yeah. Well, we hope you enjoyed our chat with Hal Lublin. We certainly did. Um, we said this in the intro, I think, but Hal, come back anytime. So uh, places you can find Hal. He has a website at hallublin.com. Uh, he's on Twitter at Hal Lublin. Please listen to his wonderful podcasts. Uh, we got this with Mark and Hal on Max Fun, Tights and Fights also on Max Fun, and he's part of uh, Welcome to Night Vale. He also does... Uh, I think, is it Good Morning, Night Vale? It came up in the interview. Uh, it's like the the morning after show for Night Vale. And he is, of course, still part of the Thrilling Adventure Hour, now the Thrilling Adventure Hour Treasury. Um, and you can find all of those places wherever you get podcasts. And if you uh, donate $5 a month to the Patreon for Thrilling Adventure Hour, you get behind-the-scenes stuff as well, and you get the whole old feed, which has tons and tons and tons of stuff from hell. So I have to recommend that. And then, yeah, keep an eye on your improv and podcast festivals because he might turn up near you. And he may or may not be up for an Emmy. Right now we're in the place in time where we don't know, but we're keeping our fingers crossed. That's right. Uh, He is currently Schrodinger's Emmy nominee. (laughs) So uh, good luck, Hal. We have all of our fingers and toes crossed for you. Um, Chris, what would you like to plug for your own self? Uh, for my own self, I don't have anything super exciting for me personally. I'm working on so many like long-term writing projects; it's emotionally debilitating. Yeah. Uh, but uh, plug something that's sorry, come out I probably in shouldn't laugh at that. Twenty twenty-three. <laughs> I don't know. No, it's it, you know what? If we're not laughing at it, what, what the fuck else are we gonna do? Just shaking in a corner. You know. um, but uh, not having anything that I'm personally working on doesn't stop me from telling you guys about something. Uh, we've been uh, recently telling y'all about an organization that's trying to do some good in the world. And uh, I feel like with uh, our, in the States at least, our July 4th holiday coming up, I'd like to share some information about a veterans group that I've been supporting for a long time. It's the Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America. And this is a group that's sole purpose is to advocate for the people who uh, defend our freedoms as we all like to say and there's a a wide range of opinion over what that means and whether or not it's necessary and i'm not going to you know relitigate any of our country's storied military history but i do think that we can all agree that the people who put on a uniform for any country uh deserve all the respect and appreciation and care that we can give them and the iava is a group of very dedicated people who try to do that i'm going to read a little blurb from their website here because they can obviously say it better than i can quote we partner with all those who share our commitment to this generation of veterans Uh, We've led the passage of the post-9-11 GI Bill, the Clay Hunt Suicide Prevention for America's Veterans Act, and more. 
Uh, this year, we've listened to our members nationwide and prioritized what they want action on the most, our big six advocacy priorities. These include, one, combating suicide, two, recognizing and supporting women veterans, three, defending the GI Bill, four, reforming the VA, five, driving and driving support and recognition of burn pit exposure, and six, empowering wounded veterans to utilize medical cannabis. And they're at IAVA.org, and I really recommend people check them out and see how you can get involved with uh, helping our veterans. Uh, Stevie, what would you like to tell the folks about? Uh, I would like to bring people's attention to Project Limelight, which is a local um, performing arts nonprofit here in Vancouver. Uh, it's called the Project Limelight Society. They are a nonprofit performing arts program in East Vancouver. Um, they offer free performing arts training to children aged 8 to 15 who come from the downtown east side, Strathcona, and Mount Pleasant. Uh, it's at no cost to the kids. Those tend to be lower-income neighborhoods in our city, and they give them a safe place to develop their artistic skills and an artistic community uh, along with professional actors, singers, dancers, writers. Uh, it's run or was started by Maureen Webb, who is a local casting director here. And they also, they put on a show every year. They do one big performance. They've done The Wizard of Oz. They've done, um, or it was called There's No Place Like Oz, because they take stories and then they sort of recreate them. So oh, they've fun. done um, East Side Story, Off the Hook, The Chocolate Factory, all kinds of fun stuff. Um, <laughs> they also provide meals and snacks free of charge to every kid at every rehearsal or, or project. They really take care of them. And then once they are above the age of 15, once they're 16 or above, they can apply for scholaries and uh, scholarships and bursaries from Project Limelight to continue their studies in any field they choose. It doesn't have to be performing arts. Um, and they also can come back and mentor the younger kids. So it's a really cool... Um, I think really important project, especially now that we don't have arts in schools so much. Yeah. Um, it's really important that the community steps up. Um, so you can go to projectlimelightsociety.org, go to their donate page and find out how to throw them some support. Great. Chris, where can people find you online if they wanted to? Uh, ChristopherRoyce.com is still my website, Twitter and Instagram, Chris M. Royce. I mm -hmm. think that's about it. Please don't come by and <laughs> knock on the door anytime. <laughs> <laughs> that joke really has never been executed well. Uh, Stevie, what would you like to tell people about what they can find? <laughs> uh, I can be found at Stevie KJ on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I have a professional Facebook page that I think is facebook.com slash Ms. Stevie Jackson because I couldn't oh, get my whole name. Excuse uh, me. My website is steviejackson.ca. And as always, please watch my web series, Honestly Charlotte. It is out in the world. It's on YouTube. It's on Vimeo. You could just go to honestlycharlotte.com and watch it all there. Um, very, very proud to say that as of this week, which is also the two-year anniversary of wrapping filming, we finally wrapped up the Indiegogo campaign, and I sent out Yay. the very last rewards. Yay! So if if you're listening to this and you were expecting, say, a DVD from us, I promise you it's on its way. I put it in the mail on Tuesday. It's coming. <laughs> <laughs> Last Tuesday, as you listen to this. Yes. Um, yeah. So that's, uh, I think that's it. I think we're going to wrap up episode 16. 
Hooray. We did it. <laughs> we did it. Oh, uh, and also happy Canada Day belatedly to our Canadian listeners out there. Yes, indeed. Oh, Canada. Yes. <laughs> oh, Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for listening. We'll talk at you next time. <laughs> Talent Crush Chat Show podcast is written, edited, and produced by Christopher Royce and Stevie Jackson. Show notes, social media links, and more can be found at talentcrushchatshow.tumblr.com. If you like what you hear, tell a friend. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts to help more people discover the show. If you want us to give you some unreliable advice, send us an email at talentcrushchatshow at gmail.com.